You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. This is Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. Um, I know I say this regularly. For those of you who are regular listeners, you know you've heard me you've heard me say this many times, but I just I mean it wholeheartedly. Um, I am so thankful and grateful for all of you who listen to this podcast on a regular basis. Uh, I count it a privilege and an honor uh, to do this, and the fact that so many of you listen uh, to what I have to say, you allow me to have a voice in your life, and you you listen to what the guests say when I bring them on for interviews. Um, you, you allow us to, to speak into your life. And I just, just want you to know that I am deeply humbled and just honored by that. So thank you very, very much. Uh, for those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you today. Uh, over the last few episodes, I've been in a mini-series talking about homosexuality and things related to homosexuality. I started back in episode 212 and rolling through here in episode 215. I'm going to continue on this mini-series and been talking about homosexuality. I've been talking specifically about some of the questions and topics and concepts that have kind of come up uh, as I've uh, as I've been wrestling through some topics and questions and been corresponding with people over the last few months, and it's it's been really good. And then over the last few days, as, as I've posted some of these episodes, I've gotten some great feedback. I've corresponded with some of you out there uh, on Twitter and by email, and I love doing that, love corresponding. So uh, feel free to email me, tweet at me. Uh, I'll give my personal information on how you can get a hold of me at the end of uh, this episode. Feel free to reach out to me. Love, love connecting with uh, with the regular listeners out there. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to specifically address a question that I feel like I've been asked you know, dozens and dozens of times, maybe maybe not quite that much, but feels like it comes up often, and it's certainly a debate, um, and that is, are gay people born gay, or do people become gay because something that happens to them over the course of, of their life? Um, there is a segment of, of people in, in our in our culture that would say, if people are born gay, you can't hold it against them. That that just seems wrong or, or old-fashioned or oppressive or bigoted. If they're born that way, it's wrong to hold it against them. It's wrong to say it's it's sinful if, if they were just born that way and they can't control it. Um, there is also another segment of our society, some, some evangelical Christians that say people who are gay are not born that way. Um, because God doesn't make mistakes and God wouldn't make you gay. You know, that that's sort of what some people say. Um, and there's been some other, um, you know, surveys or, or studies people out there you know, publishing research about gay people being having been uh, sexually abused and the reason why that they're homosexual or they have same gender attraction is because uh, it's because they were sexually abused or they were uh, molested as a child or some, something bad happened to them that caused them to be that way so you have all these varying thoughts uh, out there from different people um, in, in you know in different segments of, of different portions of our community and our and, and our societies um, if you have not heard my thoughts on why I believe homosexuality is outside of God's ideal design, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to episode 78. Um, I give a very clear uh, biblical reason why I believe homosexuality is a sin, why I believe homosexual practices and behavior is outside of God's ideal design. I believe that God designed sex to be practiced within the within the bounds of covenant marriage between one man and one woman. I believe that is God's ideal design for humanity. You can go back and listen to episode 78. I also covered topics related to homosexuality, episode 79 and 80. I would encourage you to, to check that out. Um, specifically, when it comes to the question, are people born gay? Um, 
let me just make sure I define what I mean by gay. I know sometimes people out there have different definitions. Is the individuals who are attracted to the same biological gender. I think that needs defining because different people have different perspectives. So we're talking specifically about about individual human beings who have a sexual attraction to people of the same biological gender. So if you're born biologically a man and you have uh, attraction to other men, um, women who are biologically born a woman and have attraction to other women. Um, there are other categories or other labels that are used that I, that I'm not going to dive into in this particular episode. I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about intersex or, or transgender or, or, or the variety of other, uh, categories that some people may define themselves by. I'm, I'm just talking specifically about same gender attraction, people who are born a biological gender and are attracted to that same gender. Um, and, and I'll cover some other episode, other topics related to this in future episodes. Um, the, the idea of people, whether or not people are born gay is may, maybe a debate that's been on for, uh, uh, you know, around for a while. I don't know for sure. Um, but, but in terms of its prominence, it really is a relatively recent debate. Um, and the reason that this debate is even even comes up is because of some modern uh, things that have taken place. I think it's important to understand some of the history behind this question before we actually answer it. Uh, for much of American history, um, homosexuality has been considered sinful, immoral. There's been a stigma. There's been a taboo. Uh, really, for much of the history of all of modern Western civilization, homosexuality has, has been looked down upon by many people uh, in, in Western society. There's, there's been a stigma, a taboo. It has not been accepted or embraced or celebrated as something that is normative um, or, or that is acceptable, you know, within society until relatively recently. Um, it really, you know, up until the 1950s is when we begin to see a start change. In the 1960s, we see a cultural revolution in our country and in the Western world. Uh, much of the cultural revolution we saw, in my, in my opinion, is good. There's a lot of good things that come out of the 1960s cultural revolution, but there's a lot of bad, in my opinion, as well. Uh, there's some good, some bad. Um, in the 1960, in 1970s, we see uh, a, a sexual revolution take place. The, the, the rise of the use of birth control increases significantly. The rates of premarital sex seems to go up significantly. Then you have the landmark Supreme Court case, Roe v. Wade, which which legalizes abortion uh, across the nation and, and, or, or gives people the ability to, to have access to abortion. Um, so the 1970s, you see this, this sort of rise of, of, of moral change. Uh, sexual revolution really takes place. And into the late 1970s and early 80s, you see a response to this from Christians. And you see the rise of the conservative right-wing political movement. You know, today we look at conservative political uh, activism and movements on the right wing and the Republican Party in particular uh, as being synonymous with a lot of elements of evangelicalism and, and modern Christianity. But that wasn't always the case. Uh, in fact, lots of Christians were in the Democratic side of the aisle. There was a, a significant split uh, across the board amongst evangelicals up until the 1970s. It's really in the 1980s uh, where we see uh, you know Ronald Reagan really kind of galvanizing uh, the conservative right-wing political movement, the Christian coalition, the moral majority, the values voters, those sorts of things kind of begin to galvanize in the early 80s and then pr propel forward. And there you begin to see in the 1980s a significant uh, uh, vocal uh, you know, debate taking place or a vocal uh, protest from evangelical Christians protesting against 
the ideological changes of the 1970s, and you have many evangelicals sort of standing against some of the elements of the sexual revolution, which I, I, I agree with. I think some of the elements of the sexual revolution in the 1970s was very, very bad uh, for individual people as well as for our society. And so I think there's some protests against that, which in some cases was good. But, but, but a segment or a part of that is this idea, this notion that all sexual sin is a choice, and therefore if it's a choice, you should just stop doing it and and a, a sub part a sub segment to that sub sub segment was the, the the evangelical christian thought that well homosexuality is a choice you're not born that way you choose it and therefore since you choose it you can just stop it and and i would agree that sexual sin is a choice sexual activity outside of marriage is a choice and therefore since it is a choice you can stop but i'm not so sure that your inclinations towards sin, your desire for sin is necessarily something you can just stop in a moment. Um, and this is where I think evangelicals lose the debate some, to some extent. Um, this is where Christians begin to lose the debate is, is, we, is we demand gay people agree that it's a choice and that they stop choosing to be gay. And I think, I think it's much more complex than that. Um, and But the fact that we oversimplify it, we end up losing credibility in the minds of some people. Um, I've got several friends that are gay, uh, a handful of guys that, that, that would claim to be gay, um, and, and a few ladies as well, but mostly, mostly dudes. And, uh, and from my understanding, what I hear them say, um, is that this isn't a choice. Um, a lot, I've had several guys that have told me, I've felt this all my life, as far as I can remember. I have one particular friend of mine who's, who professes to be gay, who has told me, I have felt this since I was, was my earliest memory when he was like, he tells me, you know, he's like three or four years old. He remembers thinking another boy was cute. And he says, all my life, I've felt this. And he told me something that I thought was interesting. He said, Kenny, if I could take the straight pill, that's what he called it, I would take it. Like if I could be straight, I would be straight. He, he kind of jokingly referred to it as in the Matrix, the movie The Matrix. If you've, if you've seen that, there's the red pill, the blue pill. One pill kind of makes you forget and you go back into the Matrix and you live the status quo life. The other one is the pill that awakens you uh, to, to what's going on. He said, if I could take the pill that made me like girls, I would do it. He goes, I don't want to be gay. I don't like the idea of being gay because I hate my gayness. This is what my friend told me. I would take the straight pill because it's dealt, I've, I've, I've dealt with so much problem because of, of, of me being gay. He goes, I would be straight if I could. Um, now, I know lots of gay people that would disagree with that statement. I'm just talking about one particular friend of mine. Um, so so, so when, I, when I have conversations like this with multiple gay people, the idea that gay people would just wake up one day and just choose to be gay, just, you know, they're 15 years old or 25 years old and they just wake up and say, you know what, today I'm going to be gay. I'm going to just choose to like dudes. Like, that's just, let's be, let's be honest, it just, that just feels silly. When you talk to these guys and gals, like, most of them have felt this way all their lives uh, or, for, or for a chunk of their life, for as, as long as back they can remember. And, um, and, and is it possible that maybe some people weren't gay and they got sexually molested and that caused them to be gay? I guess it's possible. I, I'm not an expert. I'm not going to claim to be an expert. All I know is this. Me, Kenny Ortiz, I have liked girls all my life. In fact, I sometimes jokingly tell people that, you know that, you know that phase that little boys have that they, they think girls are icky or gross? I skipped that phase, okay? I, I never had that phase. I've liked girls as long as I can remember. I was like, since I was like three years old, okay, I've, I've had crushes on girls. I know that my my affinity and affection for the opposite gender feels very normal to me, feels typical. 
when I talk to some of my my male gay friends, I, again, I haven't talked to many female uh, lesbians, but when I talk to my male friends that are gay, they they, t- they explain to me their feelings about dudes and other guys the way the way I felt about girls all my life. So I I also I also want to make it clear I don't know what it feels like to be completely ostracized by 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 my family or by my church or elements or segments of society as as much as I would say that. Um, homosexuality has become way more normative and way more accepted and way more celebrated uh, today than it once was. Um, there's still huge elements of, of our society and where if you come out as gay, it's it's going to be very difficult for you and very harmful for you, uh, particularly if you live in the South in the United States or if you come from a, a you know very conservative evangelical family. There could be some very difficult things. And I've talked to friends of mine who grew up in Christian homes and they feel like they're outcasts from their family and their churches. And this is very difficult. I don't know what it feels like to experience that. I'm not going to pretend like I understand that because I don't. I don't know what it feels like to have a desire for something that you're being told is sinful, even though it feels right and normal to you. Like, like me, Kenny Ortiz, I want sinful things every day, but I know that they're disgusting. Like I feel it. I want to lust after women, or I want to objectify women, or I want to be prideful or manipulative or whatever. And there's there's something inside of me that knows it's wrong. Now, there are a lot of evangelicals who would say, well, gay people know it's wrong too. Maybe some do, but I talk to some of them. Some of them just feel like it's perfectly acceptable. They, they don't feel like it's wrong. Like I've got one friend of mine who's a Christian who loves the Lord, loves Jesus, and he's attracted to men. And he's like, Kenny, I just... It doesn't, I, I like guys, I'm attracted to them, and, and I, it doesn't even feel dirty or wrong to me. Now, he knows that it's sinful in his mind, and he has chosen to be celibate. He has chosen to not engage in homosexual activity, which is good, and I'm proud of him, and I love that about him, that he is willing to go down a very lonely, difficult road because he believes the Bible to be true and wants to honor Christ with his lifestyle. But, but his inclinations haven't changed. He's still attracted to dudes. And it feels normal to him. It feels right. He knows in his head that it's wrong, but in his heart and in his body, it feels right. I don't know what that feels like. Like, I don't. I, I'm not going to pretend like I understand that that something that feels natural and normative to me, I'm being told is sinful and wrong. I don't know what that feels like. That's Gosh, it's got to be hard. That's got to be hard to, to grapple through. Um, listen, I don't know what it feels like to desire... Um, or to have an inclination for something that's so strong that I feel like my identity gets wrapped up in that thing. I don't. I don't think I. I, I fully understand that. Um, I don't think I know what it feels like to be told that the very thing that makes me feel natural, that that my, that my own attractions and desires, are broken or sinful or corrupted. Like, I don't think I fully grasp what that's like. F- fully, I, I think to some extent, every area where I'm corrupted, I think I know it and sense it. Maybe I'm. Maybe I. Maybe there are some areas where this is completely true for me, and I just maybe just not cognitively aware of it. Um, but but what I just when when I hear my gay friends talk about things, I just I don't know what they're feeling, and my heart breaks for them, man. I want to empathize. I want to be a person of compassion. My heart truly understands. I, I want to seek to understand, and that's I guess what I challenge Christians on, like. Seek to understand, be kind, be gentle, be loving, be gracious, and seek to understand. Don't accuse or condemn. Don't assume you know. Just ask questions because you haven't experienced it. I haven't experienced it. I seek to be a long, I seek to be, I long to be a safe place for my friends and any person that's struggling with same, same gender attraction. Um, 
And I want to take people at their word. If someone tells me they felt this way all the days of their life, I, I want to believe them. Like I have no reason to challenge what, what they're saying. If they say, listen, I wasn't molested and it's not because of that, like I'm going to take them at their word. I don't know if they're right or wrong. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not a clinical psychologist. I haven't studied it enough. I know there's some research that might point to that, but there's some research that doesn't point to that. So again, I'm going to just sit across the table for someone who tells me they're gay and I'm going to just believe what they say in that moment because I don't know. All right. And, and I think, I think most of us don't either. And I think it's unfair to assume. Um, and I, uh, again, some people would say, well, because I was born gay, because I've felt this way all my life, um, you can't hold it against me. That's, it's wrong to hold it against me. And in response to that, I would say this. There's nothing in scripture that validates that argument. So are gay people born gay? I would say, honestly, I don't know. But it doesn't matter. And that sounds really harsh to some people. This sounds tough. It may sound insensitive. I'm trying to be sensitive, but I want to be as clear as possible on this. I don't know if people are born gay or not, or if they turn gay at some point in their life. I legitimately don't know. But I think it's in, in a completely irrelevant argument. I don't think it matters. And here's the reason why. Because, because we're all born with sin. Like we, we, we embrace this doctrine called uh, the doctor, doctrine of original sin, which we actually haven't covered in the podcast, but we will at some point in the future. Um, we're all born with this thing called iniquity, that this is the spiritual disease. It's like, it's like a spiritual cancer in our souls and it causes us to want to do things that are outside of God's ideal design. Like God has designed an ideal structure for humanity. It is best for us to stay within the structure that God has created for us. Well, this spiritual disease inside of us, it causes us to want to go outside of that structure, to disobey God, to betray God. To we, it causes us to want to be in control and for us to determine what is best for us rather than listening to what God says is best for us. We have this spiritual disease, this cancer. It causes us to be broken. It causes, it corrupts what we want. And we, and we want bad and evil, wicked things. We don't even realize it. Like, it's like it's like our spiritual taste buds are broken. You know, have you ever like eaten food like a like a hot pocket or like a hot cup of coffee and it burns your taste buds? Like that's what iniquity does to our souls and our spirits. It it burns us where we can't even we can't even taste food, right? When when you burn your mouth on a hot pocket or a hot cup of coffee, you can't taste food, right? Everything tastes like rubber for a couple hours. Like you can't taste anything. You can't tell what's good or bad. That's what iniquity is like. It burns the nerve endings of our spirit and our soul and it eats away at us so much where it numbs us and we can't even tell what's right or wrong sometimes. And we need the scripture to bring truth. We're all born with a desire to engage with wickedness, to please ourselves. We, we are all born with a propensity to fall into patterns of habitual sin. We, we all are born with the propensity to be addicted to things. We all have broken desires. We all want things that are outside of God's ideal design. We all want to indulge in things that are wicked. And it plays out different for every person. Like what I want and what you want are different. We're all broken we're all sinful. We're all born in the. In, in, we're all born under the curse of sin. We, we're all have iniquity eating at our souls every day, but it's different in every single person. Some people they want to sin by lying or stealing or murdering. Some people like me, we want to manipulate and control situations. We want to be the hero of every situation. We want people to tell us how great we are. Uh, or, or another area of my life where I want to lust or objectify uh, women. I mean, there, there are. 
There are a whole host of areas where I am broken and I'm disgusting. All of us are born with a propensity for sin. All of us are plagued with iniquity. All of us want to do things that God says is wrong. For some people, that plays out in their sexuality and being attracted to the same gender. So the question is not whether or not you're born gay or not. I, I don't. That's, that's irrelevant. The question is, what does the scripture say? All of us are born under the curse of sin. All of us will have sin manifest in some way or another in our lives. Some of us will experience painful situations in our life, which will cause us to sin even more. Like I, I, was, born, I was born with certain propensities, but because of certain things that happened to me when I was young, some of those propensities get worse over time or certain things that maybe otherwise wouldn't have come out do come out. So I do think it's plausible that painful experiences or abusive scenarios in which we, we fall into may end up uh, exacerbating or amplifying our sinful propensities. But all of us have sinful propensities, and all of us will have those manifest in one way or another. So whether or not you're born with it is really irrelevant, if I'm honest. I think it's a non sequitur. It's an irrelevant part of the conversation because we have to ask the question. The question is not, were you born this way? The question is, what does the scripture say? We believe the scripture is the inspired, inerrant word of God. And we have to ask ourselves, what does the scripture say? And the scripture is clear that no matter how you were born, you're expected to live a holy life. I am a single man. God expects me to be holy in my sexuality. And God looks at the gay man who is single and says the same thing. Be holy. Like the, the, the charge that God gives me and the charge that God gives my gay friend is exactly the same. Be holy. Run from sin. Flee from sexual immorality. Honor Christ with your body. Like all of these are the expectations on every human being, regardless of their background, regardless of their propensities, regardless of how they were born or not born. All of that is completely irrelevant. And Christians fall into this trap. They'll, 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 they'll say to a gay person, well, choose to be not gay. And the gay person will say, well, I was born this way. And the Christians say, no, you're not. That's the, listen, that's the wrong response. The right response is, maybe you were born that way. I don't know. Dude, that sucks. I'm sorry. I, I, my heart breaks for you. But the scripture is still true. And, and you still need to be held to a standard of holiness. There's an expectation in the scripture. Like, Someone says to me, I was born gay. I go, okay. And I was born a manipulative uh, liar who loves to lust and objectify women. Like, and we still are still, we're still held accountable by God. All of us are born in the sin and all of us are called to live holy lives. The standard is the same for all of us. All of us must choose to deny our sinful desires, turn our backs on sin and turn to Jesus. Because he loves us. He can rescue us from the consequences of our sin. He can bring healing to the brokenness of our hearts. He can sanctify us and, and begin to transform and change our desires over, over time. He, he could do that. Like, he may or may not fully in, our, in this lifetime, but he could uh, do that. He could bring healing to brokenness in, in our inclinations and in our attractions. Like Christ is the answer. And he loves you. And he's He's beckoning. He's inviting you to follow him. Listen, I, I say, I would say to a straight, I would say to a gay man, the same I say to a straight man, repent of your sin, follow Jesus, love him with all your heart because he loves you. Repent of your sin, follow Christ. So are gay people born gay? 
I don't know. It's irrelevant. The charge is the same for everyone. Love God. Follow Christ. Outside of Christ, there is no life worth living. And he is the only answer to the eternal problem we face. All of us face the potential for eternal judgment, eternal consequence. There's only one solution to that problem. There's only one who can rescue us. His name is Christ. And I challenge everyone to put all your hope and faith in Christ and in Christ alone. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope this has been helpful and insightful. I also hope this is challenging uh, to you in one way or another. Uh, again, I, my hope is to be sensitive. I, I, I apologize if I come across harsh in any way. My goal is to speak truth in love. My hope is to be full of truth and grace. I, I want to be loving and gentle while clearly standing for what I believe the scripture says. And, and I want you to know that Christ loves you and is calling upon you to be holy. If you have a question about anything I've said in this podcast, and you want me to follow up, or you want to clarify something, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email or tweet at me. Uh, the best address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Or you can tweet at me. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Also, if you know someone that you think would make a great interview guest, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email. Send that email to that same address. Hey, to make sure you never miss an episode of the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the show in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. That'll guarantee that every episode gets delivered directly to your device. Also, if you love the podcast or it's been a blessing to you in any way, do me a huge favor. Head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Those reviews are a big, big help to the show. Thanks again for listening. I'm Kenny Ortiz. This has been Theology for the Rest of Us.